You obviously know Kung Fu. This is Dan Rizzuto, stuntman, actor, director, writer, and you're listening to the Kung Fu Drive-In. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. Joining me tonight is martial artist, stuntman, fight choreographer, slash coordinator for TV shows like Lucifer, Wu Assassins on Netflix, the film Boss Level. He's also a writer, producer, and now a director of his own feature film, Torn. Dan Rizzuto. Dan, thank you so much for joining the Kung Fu Driving Podcast tonight. Yeah, man. It's awesome. 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 <laughs> it's great to have you. Uh, first, uh, congratulations on the first season of Wu Assassins. That was a lot of fun. That was so cool. Uh, hopefully there's a season two. I don't know what you know. I don't know what you can say, but I'm just going to leave it at hopefully there's a season two. Uh, there is something. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Does, does something count as something? <laughs> something counts as something. That's awesome. There is there is something uh actually you know obviously can't say much about it but uh got off the phone with netflix last week and there are there's definitely stuff in motion that's fantastic that's about it i probably already get in trouble for saying that much (laughs) (laughs) all right all right well i'll I'll keep that uh, on the down low when we release this but um let's start uh with uh your imdb profile where you said something that was pretty cool to me you said that you are uh, quote, a martial artist before everything else who fell in love with the film industry. Now, I'm new to the martial arts, so that kind of stuff is always interesting to me because there's that passion and that love for the martial arts that seems to come through uh, with you. So how did you first get involved in martial arts? Oh, man. Um, to be to be honest, my mom was dating a gym owner. <laughs> and Convenient. Yeah. You know, I mean, one thing led to another. I was always a small little kid in the typical story, you know, getting pushed around and hated it and never, you know, never could beat up my older brother. And uh, just the opportunity came. I took advantage of it. And absolutely, it was it felt natural. It felt like the place I was supposed to be in. Um, You know, I can't say that at the time that was my thought, because, you know, as a 10 year old, you don't really know what's what. But it was, you know, I look at it. I just I always wanted to be there. Uh, I love the environment. I love the gym. I, I love the world. It was different back then than it is now. It was just, it was fighters. You know, there was no, it wasn't a cool thing to do. You didn't do it because you wanted to be popular and have a cool Instagram picture. You know, I mean, I don't even think pagers were out back then. <laughs> it was like, right, right. We did it because we loved it. And, it's that, you know, I always equate it to, to tribes. I mean, if you look at it, they have the hunters, the gatherers, uh, everybody did something. And then you have the warriors where if you're getting invaded, who are the guys to the front lines that are just there? And I just think it's in you or it's not. You know, I think nowadays it's kind of, you know, the MMA world especially is becoming a little, it's the cool thing to do. You know, there's obviously this still the hardcore fighters that are out there doing what they're doing, showing their amazing skill and talent. But then there's, you know, a large group of people that want to do it because it's a cool thing to say. And do they fight? 
Nah, not really. Some of them get punched in the face and then they just don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's a different world now. That's interesting. I want to touch on that later because you actually did have a stint in the UFC for a while. So, um, But what styles did you study when you started? Uh, when I first started, I was in karate for about three months and I couldn't stand still, <laughs> you know, it was just, they wanted you to stand in the line and bow and not move. And I was just way too ADD for that. So my instructor was like, uh, we're going to move you to the kickboxing class. Oh, wow. <laughs> so karate for three months, you know, <laughs> I think I, I, I remember horse stance. That's about it. Um, and then I went into kickboxing and I loved it because you were just moving and constantly trying to hit people. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you've covered a lot of styles since then. Uh, what drew you from style to style? Was there anything that kind of spoke to you or resonated with you when you were uh, searching for uh, another style to study? Well, honestly, it, it was kind of a snowball effect. I started, like I say, karate, then kickboxing. Then I started fighting uh, competitively in kickboxing and Thai boxing. I uh, had won uh, a title as a teenager. And then I went to a seminar and the seminar was Ron Baliki and Diana Lee Inosanto. Um, and, you know, obviously from the world famous Inosano Academy of Martial Arts. Right. You know, if anybody who doesn't know, Guru Dan in Asano was Bruce Lee's protege. And then Diana Lee in Asano being his daughter, and then Ron Baliki being her husband and, and godfather. So to to Dan and Asano. So went to the seminar with them, was completely they were doing alien stuff that I'd never seen before, ever. It was crazy. <laughs> And then Ron actually invited me down. They used to have smoker fights at the Inasano Academy, uh, a shoot wrestling when Yuri Nakamura was teaching there. And so Ron was like, oh, you got to come down and do this shoot wrestling fight. It'd be really good. You move really well. Da, 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 da. I said, oh, cool. I'm like, I have no idea what shoot wrestling is. I'm just going to go there and punch somebody in the face. So I went there, <laughs> went to this place, and I was like, oh, damn, this is like – Bruce Lee everything there and like his like original signs and plaques from his old schools so super tripped out then ended up fighting and I was like they're like oh explaining these rules and they're like okay there's submissions and then tap outs I'm like yeah I don't even know what that is whatever I'm just gonna you know I'm like a 17 year old egotistical kid I'm like I'm gonna hit this guy and it's gonna be great so go in there throw one knee land it throw another knee and I'm like hey where'd the guy go I don't even see him next thing you know I'm being flipped in the air I'm on the ground my arm is in excruciating pain uh they're saying oh you gotta tap out you gotta tap out I'm like what the heck does that even mean so they just stopped the fight 27 seconds I got my ass handed Handed to me. Um, it was a flying arm bar. Didn't know that back then. Know it now. And that's what I became addicted to the the grappling arts. And then by starting training in uh, Shudo, which is like cat stretching, Judo, and some Jiu-Jitsu within there, I obviously got involved into the Filipino martial arts and the Jeet Kune Do stuff because that was, was being taught at the academy. And it just went from there then that happened then i wanted to fight professionally mma yuri wasn't allowing uh eric paulson because eric paulson was under yuri nakamura as well from the inasano academy so he wouldn't let eric paulson or ron open up uh, kind of like an mma club so i decided to try out for frank shamrock's team and went down and did the lion's den test and passed that and then i fought mma under frank shamrock and once that was done just really focused heavy heavy in the filipino martial arts and the jeet kundo and 
you know, that's pretty much the martial art history there. And now I just travel and seek and explore and learn from everybody that I can because I'm addicted. <laughs> that's interesting that uh, you were drawn to just getting in there and punching somebody in the face right away. <laughs> we had a hardcore school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, you you kind of have to have that that fighter mentality uh, to be bold enough to go in there and say, I'm going to punch this guy in the face and I'm going to win this fight or else I'm going to get punched in the face, right? Well, I, I think it's, I mean, I, I think the real hardcore fighters, I think it it's not a matter of, you know, I want to go in there and abuse somebody. It really is a matter of testing yourself. Sure. You know, um, at 17, it's about punching people in the face, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but when you get older, you realize, well, no, how good am I? I got to test this. And it's, it's amazing. Win or lose. They say you win or lose, you learn. And that was the case. I mean, all I had known was kickboxing and Thai boxing. And I thought that besides those arts, there was like judo and karate and that's all that was kind of out there. And then to, you know, to be the, the guy at the gym, the title holder at the gym. And then all of a sudden, 27 seconds, you get your ass handed to you. Yeah. I'm like, whatever you did, I need to learn that. <laughs> it's crazy yeah well what was that transition like for you from studying martial arts to actually applying it as a bodyguard first and then in the octagon uh, with the ufc well uh it was actually for the for the bodyguarding stuff you know the whole the whole point of that is never to use anything we always got trained that if you have to do anything you did your job wrong it's pretty much all right prep and celebrity bodyguarding is boring really <laughs> it's Really, really boring. Like bodyguarding in general, if you're doing VIP bodyguarding, you're you're planning, you're 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 prepping, you're mapping. Like if they say the next day, oh, tomorrow I'm going here and here, you're up all night driving the routes, talking to the city, finding out where there's construction, any choke points that that could be an ambush and you're it's really just it's all prep and then hmm. you just execute during the day and you have you know your strategies if they change plans or want to take a different route or whatever but there's so much sitting around and you know it's it's not as glamorous as you think it is <laughs> it's just not and then from that uh, I was uh, running a team bodyguarding Jessica Alba on season two of Dark Angel, and I ended up meeting uh, the stunt coordinator and second unit director on the show, a guy by the name of Mike Mitchell. And one thing led to another, and I started really getting involved in, into the stunt world. He gave me a break in there, which was convenient because one of the stunt players that was hired to do it couldn't do it. And he said, hey, you know, do you want a stunt day? And I said, yeah, it'd be great. I go, what do I have to do? He goes, well, it's a cage fight. And I was like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> so, and what's what's funny enough is during the cage fight, um, there was uh, Lance Gibson was in that scene as well. And Lance, we know, was in the UFC and Shudo. And now he's trainer and married to Julia Budd, who's the Bellator champion. It's It was awesome. But I mean, putting in real fighting into film fighting was so drastically different. It took me a long time to, I mean, just get adjusted to it. Cause if yeah. you're a fighter, you just, yeah, I'm going to go in and fight, but it's like, well, no, you can't hit people <laughs> and you got to make it look like it hurt <laughs> when it didn't hurt. And it, it was, it was a cool transition and I had really good mentors in the industry to, to help me with that. And I became a, I, I became addicted to it. You know, from performing and then really breaking into fight choreography 
early and that's really been my bread and butter in the industry yeah so that that's your jump into the entertainment side of things how hard was it though uh really to kind of unlearn all the stuff that you were learning as a fighter for, for me it's the opposite i'm i i don't unlearn anything it's really just a matter of changing it it's just a way of it's a different application that's all that it is, mm. you know, and there, there's subtleties as far as like hit reactions. And, you know, just because you're a championship fighter doesn't mean you're going to be a good film fighter. You know, it's obviously, you know, you pull your punches, you're not going to hit people, but you got to make it look like it works and you have to take the hits and react to them and take the falls as if they did hit you. But I think the more knowledge you have, the better it is and, and the better fights you're going to have because, when you're working with uh, choreographers, they're going to use the tools that you bring to the table. If you've only got 10 tools, that's all they're going to be able to create. If you've got 100 tools, well, you're going to get a much better fight. Okay. So you've gone from being a stuntman to fight choreographer, fight coordinator, director now. When did you realize that you had uh, not just the tools, but also that vision to start designing the action instead of just being a part of it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, and it's not like it was a conscious thing. It really was a subconscious thing because it was, it was offered to me. Like just the skills and the knowledge that I had, I had like really, really good mentors. There was a guy by the name of James Banford who is a director now, and he's really he was a producer and a director on Arrow uh, recently, and he's just a a good history in. In film, he was a coordinator when I was just breaking into it, gave me the opportunity, but he was also, we were also sparring and training all the time and really got, you know, good advice and was able to get hired and practice doing it. He really started giving me good breaks on shows like Stargate Atlantis and just, I mean, a very, very other shows that he's, that he's done. He really started to give me opportunities to, you know, go in and put fights together. And of course, you know, the first time you're offered that, you're like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but put stuff together, they go in and tweak it. And then you learn from their tweaks and why they did what they did. And it just started snowballing after that. And I started getting hired by various people and, you know, cause you got it, you got to remember that the fight choreographer and fight coordinator position, it's relatively new. It, it hasn't been around as long as film's been around. Mm, okay. I really think it started to kick off more and more on the Born Identity series with uh, Jeff Amata, who is an Inasano guy as well. You know, there's a big list of fight choreographers worldwide that all come from the Inasano Academy. So I think it was kind of a... <laughs> It, it just it felt natural of what we knew and people expected it. And then with with Jeff Amata and that show with, with Born Identity, he really, I, I think the producers and studios and people really started to see the value of having, oh, this is just a specific fight guy. They can train the actors. They can put the fights together. The John Wayne days are over, you know, jab, cross, hook, bob and weave, throw a cross, <laughs> knock him down. Like those days were done. And you know, when Born Identity came out, I think everybody was pretty like, holy crap, like, what is this? This is crazy, you know? And they actually had Matt, he was doing it. He was doing his own fighting because they had trained him for six months. And then it just became the norm in a sense. People wanted it. And now on any heavy fight show, they they bring in, you know, fight teams and fight coordinators specifically just for that. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, uh, people started to get an appetite for that kind of thing because it looked so good it looked so real and it was a vast departure from like you were saying the john wayne stuff but what is it about your approach specifically to fight choreography that sets you apart do you think um 
don't know, man. I just, I just feel natural. Yeah. Like I literally just feel natural doing it. And I think because I'm comfortable drawing from so many different arts and I look at choreography as like nonverbal dialogue. Like I'm, we're telling a story through the action, but we don't just, I don't just say, oh, I learned a cool move. This looks so badass. Let's put it in this fight. It's got to fit. Right. The character, the scene, uh, you know, the, the character's abilities in the show. So I think I, I, I think maybe the way that I view it, I think that I just come from it, not from a, a point of view of like, oh, we're just going to put cool kick ass action together. It's like, no, let's read the script. Let's break down the character. Let's talk with the actors, see what they can do and what they're comfortable doing. And, you know, like an, an example is Columbiana. I love that movie. I love the concept mm -hmm. of it. I love everything about it. But the lead, I mean, come on. She's like 120 pounds. She's kicking 260-pound guys' asses. And I'm just <laughs> the way that she was doing it, I didn't buy it. I wasn't believing it. So I was taken out of the movie. Okay. So I wanted to make sure that when we put fights together, they're believable. The audience doesn't go, oh, come on. Give me a break. That would never happen. So that's, you know, maybe <laughs> it's my just the approach, I think, and the way that I break things down. So how... Uh, important is what you design versus how it's shot versus how it's edited for that final product to be what you really envisioned when you started designing the fight. Because I know that a lot of guys will do some really great work on the design end of things, but when it gets cut together, it winds up being uh, not quite what the action director had in mind. So how, how important is that balance? Um, well, you know what? Making a film is a collaborative effort. I think is there are some choreographers out there that don't understand directing. So they kind of design, you got to remember when you're shooting a previs and putting it together for them to approve a fight, they're using uh, stunt doubles, but they have to keep in mind that some of the shots that they're choosing for the previs it can't happen because if they don't think about it methodically, they're going to end up using the stunt double to do this cool shot. It's like, oh, that looks great. But the angle you shot it from, you can see the face, which means it has to be the actor doing it. It can't be the stunt double doing it. But what if the actor can't do it? Well, then they've got to rearrange and make it work. So I think when I'm putting stuff together, I'm doing it in the mindset of I want the actor to be able to do as much of this as they can. And I want to be able to show them doing it. So I have to be realistic in what I'm creating. And you have to talk to the camera team. you got to talk to the director. In North America, the action guys rarely get permission to go into the editing room and help them edit. So you're having an editor that maybe doesn't know action and they're definitely not on set. And chances are they're not a fighter. So they might not even know what they're looking at. So there's, there's so many variations to it. And yeah, it's frustrating as hell when you put some cool stuff together, you're not getting the shots that you want and the editing is terrible. And everybody's like, oh, that fight looked terrible. And you're like, man, you should have seen the previs. <laughs> and a, an example that I'll give, I don't know. Uh, I'll give it anyway. Um, okay. <laughs> is working with Eco on, uh, on Wu Assassins. So yeah. Mile 22 came out, watched the fight. And I thought, oh, that's pretty Good. I mean, I wasn't a fan of the, the editing for his the infirmary fight when he's handcuffed to the medical table. That was actually painful to watch. Well, then I watched the previs that they had shot and edited. They showed it to me and I'm like, oh, my God, why didn't this make it on camera? Yeah, I'm sure. You know, 
so that kind of thing. And I'm like, I mean, it was beautiful. It was such a beautiful fight. I'm like, man, I wish the world could have seen that. And it, then I look at, compare it to what was in the movie. And I'm like, damn, that's like not even 40% of, it's just not good. Yeah. Yeah. I'll bet. Because that, that particular scene felt like that it was chopped up so much. I was like, there has to be something missing from this fight. Oh, just the, and, and this is the problem with when you get editors that don't understand action. They just, it's almost like every time there's a punch, they need to cut. Ugh. And you know what? You, you do a lot of cuts and you do a lot of tighter shots when you're working with actors that can't do anything, you know, cause you have to save them. You have to protect them, sure. but you're fighting with eco, man. This, this dude is so incredible, is so fast, <laughs> is so damn talented. And you want to cut his stuff. Oh man, you could just let the camera roll and you would be mesmerized by his movement. Yeah. So it's, it's a combination, you know, it's rarely, is it the action designers action, the development that he put together? It's, it's the editors and it's the way they're shooting it. And, you know, they still use a lot of directors that are drama directors that don't know action. And it's like, what are you, what are you doing? And this is why I'm absolutely in love with, you know, guys like Chad Sestowski and Dave Leach right now from 87, 11, who are, they've broken a mold. I know there's, there's a lot of people that are kind of bitter, you know, and you know, everybody likes, it's just, it's no different. The film industry is no different political shit talking place. But, you know, for me, I, I pat them on the back, man. I'm like, this is beautiful. They've knocked down the door and they're showcasing to the world that you need to let action people shoot action. You need to let the stunt guys in the actions and they're proving that it can be done. And they're doing it on a huge scale with monster movies and it's working out. So it's making like for me to go out now and to direct my own stuff, but it's becoming easier now. I don't have to argue with them and be like, Oh, you guys are just stunt guys. All you can do is second unit direct and shoot, you know, cars exploding and people fighting like, no, we, we know what we're doing. So it's, it's changing. And I think honestly, I think we're going to see a huge shift because there's a lot of uh, old stunt guys that are now directing and they're, you know, creating magic. It's awesome. Oh, bring it on. <laughs> it's awesome. Now, speaking of that, you worked on Wu Assassins, which as a fight coordinator had to be a dream job, particularly with the martial arts talent that you had to work with, right? Oh, man. Let me tell you, that was the single most in, in, <laughs> in 21 years of, of film. That is, that's the best opportunity I've had. Period. Oh man, that must have been amazing. My buddy uh, Kamani Smith, who is a, a fantastic award-winning stunt coordinator, um, had called me up and said, "Hey, we got this this show. Interested if you're doing fights on it?" And then with him, I'm always like, "Yeah, man, I'll do anything that you're a part of." And then I found out who was in it and what was happening. I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> what? Really? Oh yes, hundred percent. No questions. This is amazing. <laughs> like it was just, it was awesome. So the the talent between." Eco and Lewis Tan and Juju Chan and and Catherine Winnick and uh, Tommy Flanagan and just I mean just the name it was just it was phenomenal yeah. it was just phenomenal. Well, what do you do then when you're designing action for these guys? Because this is Eco and Lewis and Juju and Catherine Winnick. I mean, these are all accomplished martial artists. What do you do when when they're saying, "All right, well, design me something." Everybody got along so well. It was such a collaborative effort. Um, Eco had showed up with four of his guys that you know they've done the raid and and the night comes for us and all these movies and they're just phenomenal so we just pooled everything together and we just started just creating and the goal was to have 
a different style for each character. We didn't want to have every style be that, you know, so you could see the difference between Lewis and Eco and Juju. And, you know, the, the styles of fighting were completely different. Catherine was very almost like street fighting, dirty fighting, kicking in the yeah. balls and, and yep. just really going towards it. So she she got that style. And Juju was, you know, the, the right hand man to the uh, right hand lady to the big boss. So she was just tough as nails, hardcore, straight to the point. Eco, lightning fast, obviously. Um, Lewis, man, I mean, Lewis just picks up that dude picks up choreography in like seconds. It's crazy. And, you know, he's, he's got a very, very, very good kickboxing, tie boxing game. And when we started throwing trapping at him, I mean, you look in the last couple episodes of his trapping and he's just, he just, he's nails it. He's awesome. So everybody got a different flair, a different flavor. Um, the best part about that was as a choreographer, a lot of the time you don't get to get on film what's in your head because you don't have the talent around you to do it. And even though you've got amazing stunt people that can do it, if the actors can't do it, it really hinders the process. Here, the actors can do it themselves. They wanted to show up. They wanted to rehearse. And the beauty part of it is was this was a TV show. It's not a feature film where it's like, oh, we've got three months of rehearsals in the beginning before we start. We're literally rehearsing in between shots. Like, it's not like they were like, oh, here's five days, put together the fight, let's work it. It's like, no, we got to put together the fight. When they have a scene off, they're going to come and work with us for an hour. Then they go back and do another scene. Then they come back. And the fact that it turned out like that on a TV show, I, I just couldn't be happy. <laughs> it was awesome. And uh, one of the guys that I talked to on my show, Rarish Demofta, not a martial artist at all, right? But he had some really kind words about working with you during his scene with Louis Tan, which... I thought it was one of the highlights of the series that whole gun fu thing. Which, if you, if you're a fan of the uh, the movie Equilibrium, that brought up uh, a lot of memories of that movie. But um, how did you handle turning Rarish into a full on gun fu black belt? Well, I, you know what? I think it's it's just a confidence thing. You know, it, it's a thing where people are like, "Whoa, you let my stunt double do it?" It's like, no. We come with the approach of we want the actors to do as much as they can. And he was wanting. He was willing. He. He, he, he's the kind of guy that was, you know, not like show up, do the rehearsal. Okay, guys, see you tomorrow. He's like, is it good enough? Can we get it better? And so, yeah, let's just keep working it and working it. And we worked it with the stunt double first. And then we got him and Lewis together. And he was, he just, it's effort, man. He put it in. We, we can manipulate and make anybody look great if they have the right attitude and they actually care about their performance. And he, he killed it. He trained hard. Hard, 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 and got in every second that he could. And on the day, he performed it. And now he knows that he's got that ability within him. It's going to change the way that he does fights from now on. And that's the goal. You know, it's a good way to look at it is this. And I know a lot of people don't, but when you're a stunt guy or you're a coordinator or you're a fight guy, you're behind the scenes. You're going to go on to other shows and people aren't even going to know who you are. When you're an actor, what people see on screen could make or break you, you know, and it's, it, it could be a producer looks at you and goes, Oh my God, that guy's good. Let's get him. But he, can he fight? Yeah. Check this out. Good. Great. So you got to look at it as the public is viewing them. They're not looking at us and you need to put in the absolute best and you need to be able to bring out the best in your performers. It's, it's for their sake as well, because it, like say Wu Assassins, the, the, say the fights were terrible, nobody liked it, boom, gone, okay, great. Well, I just go on to another show. 
But does that affect their career because they're the face of the action? Well, possibly. And I'm not cool with that. You know, I want everybody to come in and perform to the best. And he was just a blast to work with, man. Anybody that has the heart that wants to come in and do it and we do it again and do it again. And he was sweating. Like, you know, it's not like I don't baby people. Even if you're an actor, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, when they look, does that look good? I'm not that guy that's like, yeah, that looked great. It looked great because they want to look good and they want to showcase it to their fans. And if it doesn't look good, well, they don't know. They're not fighters. So everybody knows acting actor wise when I'm working with them. If they look at me, I'm going to nod my head. Yeah, nah, let's do it again because I want you to look good. That's it's just it's only fair, man. It's only fair. People are putting their their livelihood into this. Right. So um, I have to say you sound like a director. So let's get into Torn, your full length feature film directorial debut. What made you think you had this in you? And uh, take me through the film. Ah, uh, well, I think everybody that's in film <laughs> eventually wants to do their own projects. And Okay. I, I always do what I say I'm going to do. I want to get it done. We're going to do it. So I actually, the, the process was crazy. Obviously wanted to do it, was prepping to get into a feature. Didn't know which one we wanted to do or how we wanted to do it. I read a short story that uh, a friend of mine, Sharon Taylor, had written. And I'm like, we were going to shoot this as a short film. And I started reading it and my brain started going crazy all over the place. And I'm like, oh, we got to make this into a feature. Can we please just make this into a feature? <laughs> so I ended up talking with another good friend of mine, Josh Maserol, who is a fellow stunt guy. We ended up writing the script and I don't know what came over us. Like we wrote it in, in 15 days. It was crazy. And... <laughs> One thing led to another, and it was like, good, we're getting this done. I actually was producing the film with my producing partner, Scott Bailey, right? Like, this was during Wu Assassin. So I would do Wu during the day, and I would go home and stay up all night <laughs> producing it, get a couple hours sleep, show up back on Wu. And three days after Wu ended, we were we were in camera, and we, we started shooting. And networking man and being in the industry is what made it possible we got a lot of favors we got a lot of stuff we put a great movie together that's actually surprisingly not an action movie it's a drama mm. and it's a, it's a heavy drama it's based on racism it's a story about a white police officer who shoots a black teen and gets off the criminal charges but then finds out he's getting sued civilly and ends up going to the parents house of the kid that he killed and it ends up being a very heated accidental kidnapping discussion on racism Wow, And we got offers for, on the script from uh, a major studio and we were like, oh man, this is amazing. But they wanted to change the script to make it, you know, safe. And we weren't about that. Like this movie is meant to make people uncomfortable because it's, we know that there's a problem with racism and this movie was meant to really put it in your face. So we did it. It turned out amazing now. It's great. I had so much, so many favors. Like I, 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 it's not something I could have done without industry help, you know? So getting it, getting it shot was the first stage. Great. We did it. Amazing. Post-production came up. I didn't want to do, I didn't want to do a film that looked like an indie, felt like an indie. So, I mean, shit, even from editing point, Joe Carnahan, who is the, you know, Joe Carnahan's directed, written like the, the A-Team, The Gray, Smoking Aces, all these like amazing, amazing guy. He had hooked me up with his editor because <laughs> the, all the editing, the editors that I wanted were like so crazy expensive. But I'm like, yeah, that's just not in our budget. He pulled a personal favor, called one of his, his editors and got us, I mean, 
watched uh, watched some of the the footage, little teasers, read the script. He was in Happen. Another good buddy of ours who is actually uh, one of Jamie Foxx's producers, uh, music producers. He came and scored the film from scratch that we had this the most amazing sound designer from LA we had like it just everything just came together like it was meant to be and part of the reason why I wanted to do such a strong drama first was so that no studio no producer nobody can say oh you're just a stunt guy you don't know how to tell a story so that was a big part of it too so when we go in now to do films they're not going to go well could you tell a story because that's what they all think is you know you come from the stunt world you basically might as well just be a jock <laughs> <laughs> well um I mean, that's kind of ballsy I, why wouldn't you fall back on that world that you're really familiar with you know the, the the fighting and the action were you tempted at all to throw a lot of that into this directorial debut no because i think it's it's expected and I think that it's I've got a I've got a big enough history in the fight choreography and action within film that it's that's it's a no brainer. If I if I did really cool action, all they're gonna say is yeah, well, <laughs> like of course, right? <laughs> okay, that's what it, it was expected. And the action that I want to do, like the next film that we're putting together now, we're gonna be shooting it in Indonesia. Um, and I want to do what what we have planned for this one. I'm telling you because it needs to be groundbreaking stuff. Fights are fights, great. How you shoot them, how you implement them, how you like. We're pulling no punches for what this film is. We want to elevate action. Awesome. And that's that's the goal that we we want to hit. Like I'm in love with. For me right now, the best action films all come from Korea. Mm, mm. <laughs> They're just phenomenal. Yeah. Like, unbelievable and it's I, I, i'm a fan of revenger remember you know the the, yeah. the movie revenger on netflix like yes. when i saw that i was like oh my god like that's what i'm talking about and if you notice the difference in a movie like that because the lead can obviously fight they can take 10 steps back and show the full frame they don't need to go well let's just show you know shoot shoulders and above and manipulate it and get what we get no the viewers want to see the action they want to see what's happening you know, tell tell that story. So, my style is definitely heavy heavy from Asian cinema, without question. I'm not a fan of North American action. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so, when can we expect to see Torn? And then, what's the time frame for this project that you're working on? Uh well, we we are going to release our trailer for Torn uh, quick within weeks. Um, we're doing a different style of release. Uh, we're we're definitely doing. Um, Amazon Prime and Apple Plus, we've just got those approved, and cool. we're trying to see. It's we we've got offers like we within the first two months we've had twelve offers on the film, but the problem is we want it to be seen. That the world of sales and film is changing. Sales agents are going away. Dis distribution companies are going away because everything's streaming and you can basically self distribute. So they. You never know if you sell it to a distributor where it's going to go. You have no idea. They might be selling it as a package deal. So we'll throw this movie in too and it sits on a shelf and it's never seen. And some people are uncomfortable with it because they're like, wow, if we put out a movie like this, it could be a political statement and da 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 da. And it's, so it's an interesting thing. So we're like, no, it's meant to be seen. We're going to get it out. We're going to self, self push it out. Um, and, you know, as far as the Indonesian project goes, we're working on it every day. 
I do have uh, a few projects booked this year. So we're going to be producing it. Same thing while we're working on other projects. And then hopefully I'd like to be able to shoot it by the end of the year, like shoot it maybe uh, November, December. So we'll see. We shall see. I'm excited about it though. <laughs> exciting. Definitely exciting. All right. I, I want to touch on something else uh, that um, for anybody who follows your social media, uh, you called out uh it was on instagram i think you called it out uh you're working on jujitsu pretty big film but apparently you've got some issues with uh how things are being done uh, on in terms of treating uh the stunt guys well and i have much respect for the stunt community much respect for fight choreographers and coordinators talk to me about what's going on uh well i mean it's it's as far as that goes that's just a matter of them not paying several several people you know there's there's a lot of us that they still haven't paid and it seems to be a theme with these producers and this company and you know me being the loudmouth i am i'm you can't you can't take people out use their skills and not pay them and i got fed up with it when they were out you know they're out selling the film now and you know usually when you work in film you get paid every week the check comes in every week and you know it was week one nothing week two week three week four week five then it was excuses and being lied to and you know oh we're shooting in the mediterranean so it's a different time zone so we're having trouble getting a hold of it's like oh okay you know and there's people there that i trust and that i really like and you know it's not like they had all the pull as far as the producers go but just coming back and then what's going on, what's going on. then all of a sudden you're calling production numbers that don't exist anymore. And it's, it's just a, it's just shady, like super shady. And when I found out that this, this company had done it on other shows, that's when I was like, well, something's got to be done. So was dealing with the union right now, dealing with SAG, um, you know, they're doing all that they can to, you know, to try to resolve the situation. But Ultimately, if they don't want to pay, they don't have to pay. Oh, wow. And that's uh, that's it? Yeah, it's you know what? I, I spoke with a really, really high end lawyer. We went over the collective agreement with SAG and the union and stuff. And yeah, it's legally I can't even sue them now because that's what we were going to do was like a class action lawsuit against them. But now with the collective agreement that was signed, it's like we can't go after them even. So we're just in a holding pattern waiting to see, you know, what uh, SAG can resolve with them. So it's just, it's disappointing when, you know, you, you put your heart and your soul into stuff and that's, you know, that's how you're treated. So not, uh, not good. Yeah, no, that's terrible. I, I, I mean, I hope there's some kind of resolution and I hope, uh, you know, the people that are there that can make a, a difference for you guys can, uh, can get you guys something because that's not cool at all. You guys, I mean, without... The stunt guys, without the stunt performers and the choreographers and the coordinators, the action that us fans love so much just isn't there. No. No, and, that, and that's the thing is, I mean, if you look at what sells movie tickets, it's, well, look at every trailer out there. It's the action. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that, that's what puts bums in seats. And it's, it's getting to the point. And I, I had a different view on it a year ago than I do now. You know, back before social media was a huge thing, stunt people weren't supposed to exist. We were supposed to be the gray men, the people in the background that gave the illusion of the actors doing their own action, right? It was storytelling. Great. Well, it, 
people know stunt people exist now. They know the stuff that's happening. They see the behind the scenes. I mean, it, it really started coming out heavy with DVDs when they added behind the scenes in because that was selling DVDs. And people know it. And now that they're still trying to hide it as if we don't exist, you know, and it's we're the ones literally breaking bones. And yeah. sadly, people have died yep, absolutely. doing this. And it's all for entertainment. And they don't even want to give us an Academy Award or acknowledgement. Come on. You know, and it's it, it's a tough argument because everybody thinks the action is super cool. So if you have Brad Pitt stunt double and he's starting to get more notoriety than Brad Pitt and people are like, you know, if they know his name and they're like, oh, that's not Brad Pitt. That's so and so. That's what they're worried about. You know, they're, they're worried about the stunt guys getting some notoriety and it's they don't want notoriety. Nobody got into stunts being like, oh, I'm going to be famous. Like, no, you're going to be broken. Right, right. <laughs> you're going to be limping when you're 60. <laughs> you know, like it's nobody got into it for fame. You got into it because, I don't know, we're, we're all sick and twisted in some way because who the heck is going <laughs> to fall down the stairs? You know, like, <laughs> mom, I don't want to go to school. What do you want to do? I want to get hit by a car and fall on stairs and get lit on fire. Uh, yeah, great. Son. <laughs> you know, like it's not fame, but I mean, you, you got to you got to acknowledge the people that are that are creating this spectacular, spectacular action. There are some amazing stunt coordinators and performers in the world. You know, as a performer, you know, I, I consider myself a B-grade performer. I wasn't the A-lister performer. I was more into the fights and action. And, you know, once I had been lit on fire and once I got hit by a car and fell downstairs and then gone through glass windows and it was cool. I was like, yeah, I experienced it and it was awesome. But that wasn't where my love is. There's guys out there that would blow your mind, the level of talent. And there are, you know, engineering geniuses who are putting together some yeah. most spectacular stunts in these major, major feature films. And people don't even know who they are. That's not right. You're watching that movie going, Oh shit. Did you see Michael Bay's last thing? Yeah, great. But Michael Bay didn't organize the action and do the action. You know, like you got to give some respect. Yeah, and you I mean, you mentioned it earlier that it's a collaborative effort. I mean, that's top to bottom throughout the whole movie. You know, one part of that movie doesn't come through, it's going to be missing something. And you take the stunt guys out of it, you take the fight guys out of it, and that's not the same movie. Well, and there was like, was it the 60s or 70s? There was a French director who came out with this theory called the Artur theory. And his thing was, well, the director is... The, the, the movie is what it is because of the director and that shit's so wrong. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that the Arturo theory is not really brought up much anymore. Like most of the film people now, they don't even know what it is, which is good because man, it's, you can't do anything by yourself. You know, it's like, don't even have a wardrobe department. Well, nobody's going to buy the scene if it's supposed to be a period piece and they're wearing Levi's, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't work. So from hair to makeup to stunts to to the camera department to the sound department to every department the movie is what it is because everybody worked together you know the the, the props the set deck the, the 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 teamsters the drivers everybody that this the movie is what it is because of them why is it so hard to give respect to people that deserve respect i don't understand it you know it's this weird north american way in in asia a lot of the time the stunt, the action team will go in and shoot the action. Uh, they'll actually edit it and then they'll hand over the edited version to production. They're respected. They're actually respected here. 
it's like, you know, you get directors that know nothing about action. And let me tell you, there are so many directors working right now that have no idea about action. You do all of it. You basically second unit direct the whole thing. Who do you think gets the credit for it? They do, you know, and that's why, you know, I respect the guys that give props to the stunt people and the ones that made them look good. Not the, you know, the, the dicks out there who are like, yeah, I do all my own stunts. No, you don't. <laughs> not one actor out there that does all of their own stunts. Sorry. Doesn't exist. There are, there are people out there that do some crazy gnarly shit like Tom Cruise, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Jackie Chan, obviously, like these guys, they're out there and do it. But I mean, even Eco, Eco's the greatest guy, but you, you can't hurt him. It's like, Eco, we're going to throw you down the stairs. Well, if he gets hurt, production's over, nobody works, show's canceled. So even though he's capable and wanting to do it, well, we can't let him do it. So insurance wouldn't even cover you if he did it. So, you know, there's those guys we get, but, you know, don't be the guy that there's this crazy big action sequence and they're like, yeah, I did it all myself. <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> it's just, we're putting our bodies and lives on the line for you guys. And you guys are going to act like that. That's not cool. Absolutely not cool. Well, like you said, uh, you know, the industry seems to be changing a little bit with guys like Stahelski and, and Leach that are out there doing things. So maybe, maybe it's moving towards uh, a spot where, you guys get the recognition that you deserve. At least I hope so. Well, I, I think so. And I mean, I, you, you see it happening all, all over. Like a, a friend of mine, Ben Bray, who I met, uh, he was a stunt coordinator on A-Team and then on the Gray. He's he's doing nothing but directing now. And good on him. You know, like why wouldn't you let an action guy direct action? You know, you let drama directors direct action, let an action guy direct action. And, you know, it's not like we don't know how to direct a scene a dialogue scene as well. You know, the, the thing is, if you look at high-end stunt guys, IMDBs, you'll see that they're on set, you know, 50 times more than some of these directors are. And it's, it's a learning. You're, you're basically in university on set with the best people in the world learning everything from them. So, you know, not to say, obviously, not to say there's not good directors out there. There's there's a ton of amazing, fantastic directors. But the market right now is being saturated with, I mean, people that just like, really, you don't even know what the line of access is and you're directing? Come on. <laughs> like, it's, that's just crazy to me. Uh, well, hopefully you're uh, you're among that vanguard for the, uh, the new wave. Well, I hope so. I mean, you know, I've got to just... It's a matter of proving it, but I hate waiting around for people to do things for you. I'm like, life's short. I want to go out and get it and, you know, fail, don't fail, whatever. For me, the failures are not even in going after it because I don't want to be 80 years old sitting on a rocking chair going, damn, I wish I would have did that, but I didn't because I was scared what people were going to say. I don't give a shit what people say. This is my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Good on I'm, you, brother. Good I'm on living you. it and everybody should help everybody reach their dreams because if not, you're just a dick. That's just the way I look at it. <laughs> like if you're Absolutely. in a position that you can physically, financially, mentally, spiritually, whatever, help people out, do it. Because if you're not, well, what are you scared of? Is it fear? Is it ego? Is it greed? Because at some point, could be on your deathbed, flash hits you and you're like, damn, I did not live the life I should have lived. It's like you go with nothing, you know? If money saved you, you think Steve Jobs would be passed away right now? No. Money doesn't save you. And you can have as much as you want. I could just say, hey, I'm hungry. Going to the grocery store. Damn, that's semi-hurt. Like, I'm dead. You have no idea. So 
you know, live it, help it. That's, that's, I love to be on, I love to be on shows like that. I've quit shows that I'm not happy on. And then everybody's like, oh, you're crazy. You turned down money and this and that. It's like, no, I don't want to go through 10 months of miserable. I want to show up every day, laugh, joke around, do my job, do a damn good job and be happy. It's that simple. Yeah. You can't take it with you, man. You can't take it with you. Totally. It's experience. Like, come on. You got to think. You remember experiences. You don't remember. Hey, remember that time I had 40 bucks in my pocket? No, you remember experiences. You know, you, you go to a big event. You don't remember every detail. You just remember you had a, a, a freaking amazing time. And that's, to me, that's what this is. I mean, dude, look at my job. My life is fantastic. I don't need to be, you know, the guy that has 60 million in the bank right now. I don't have to wake up at, you know, 3.30 in the morning with a jackhammer, working in the snow or the rain, digging ditches, you know? And there's people out there that are in positions that they don't want to be in. They're not happy and they can't find their way out and they feel stuck in their struggle. And I got nothing to complain about. I get to wake up every day and it's Mr. Rogers. I get to put on a different outfit when I'm performing and pretend I'm, you know, one day I'm a boss businessman. And the next thing I'm an alien with weird looking antennas coming out of my head. Like (laughs) it's the best job in the world. And then I get to create action with just amazing martial artists and put together a vision of what's in my head there, work with them, then watch it on screen. Oh my God. Like life's perfect. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Let's, uh, let's do a lightning round. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, first thing that comes to your mind here. So here we go. Uh, beer, wine, or whiskey, wine, favorite wine, uh, Rose. Nice. All right. Uh, you got to win an eating contest, but you get to choose the food. What is it? Oh my God. Uh, THC edibles. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, what is your go-to knockout move when you were fighting? Uh, uh, jiu-jitsu, just ground stuff. All right. <laughs> sweep, I like the elevator sweep. Nice, okay. Uh, do you believe in life on other planets? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, aliens knock on your door and ask for a tour of Earth. What do you show them first? Ooh, my fridge. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, and the last one is a trick question, so hopefully you get it right. But what's your favorite podcast about kung fu, martial arts, movies, action directors, and stunt performers? Kung fu driving, obviously. Nice. (laughs) Sweet. All right, Uh, what other stuff do you have in the works then? And uh, most importantly, where can fans go to follow you? Well, I've got uh, an action design school called M1 Action Design. Um, So if you go to m1actiondesign.com, it's not open to public. We train stunt people and actors. And that's a huge passion of mine because I love giving back and I love being able to create opportunities. And, you know, I, I love I love people to come in with little skill, train the crap out of them and then seeing them now making a full time living in stunts. That makes me happy. We're not a group. We're just a collaborative community that trains and supports each other. I'm really trying to change the mindset of people in the industry because, you know, it's the stunt world is this, the best way I can describe it. It's blue collar workers making white collar pay. So, you know, they, they, it's not like, I don't know any multimillionaires that came from, you know, oil families who are like, I want to do stunts. It's, it's a different, a lot of people that are in stunts kind of have that fighting mentality. So you got a lot of money, you don't know what to do with it. And a lot of people become dicks about it and they become greedy and they want as much as they can and they screw over other people. And it becomes a very political thing with M1. We're trying to just solve that problem. We're trying to create a 
a new breed of individuals that support each other, that money isn't the first thing on their mind. And if somebody succeeds before the other person, rather than keep going, they turn around and go, well, how can I help you get to where you want to get to? So that's a huge passion of mine. Then just my website itself, danrizzuto.com. There's another website. It's just all my personal stuff is on there. And I mean, I'm all over. I travel still with uh, Ron Baliki to teach seminars globally. Always will teach. I'm in love with it. So I'm either, I'm either on set, I'm either at M1 or I'm traveling and teaching to just random cities in the world. That's, that's pretty much my life. (laughs) Not a bad gig. No, man, I'm very grateful and very appreciative of it. And, you know, I'm glad I have a, just, and I'm glad I'm outspoken because I want to be able to empower other performers that, you know, get shit on and get treated not so well because they're too scared to say anything. And we need to make a good, solid community of safe professionals because there's been way too many injuries and deaths happening. And, you know, everybody wants to blame the stunt guys for that, but they don't understand what it's like on set. You know, when you spend two days putting something together and then all of a sudden somebody's, oh, I want to do this instead. Can we do this instead? And they say, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, we can do that. But you didn't rehearse it and prep it and people get hurt. You know, so we, we all need to collaboratively need to be standing up and, you know, the more people that can start vouching for, Hey, give the stunt guys, even one award, give it to the stunt coordinator, but give an Oscar, like, let us be known. Let, let, there's so many people out there right now that are literally giving everything they have that, you know, they do one stunt that looks great and they're limping for two weeks (laughs) or they break something or they're not like They've, they've got to be appreciative. So, you know, podcasts like you're doing, you know, the, the behind the scenes videos, these it's, I think it's going to, going to change mindsets. I think it's going to help people realize that, Hey, this is what goes on behind the scenes to make, you know, this hour and a half movie that you're going in the theater and sitting and raving about. Very cool. Dan, you're an inspiring guy. You have a, a great energy about you. You have a, a it sounds like a great heart and, um, Great compassion for your fellow performers. Thank you so much for taking some time out. Best of luck with everything going on. Uh, can't wait to see Torn and looking forward to that other project. Uh, and whatever this something is about Wu Assassins, that's uh, I'm something I'm looking forward to as well. So, again, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with me tonight. Well, I'll tell you what. As soon as I'm allowed to say anything about something that may or may not be happening... <laughs> Well, 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 you'll be the first to know. We'll chat again. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dan. That was very cool. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. You rock. Much thanks to Dan Rizzuto for being such a cool guest and just for taking time out of his schedule to hang out and chat. He's done and continues to do some really cool work in the industry. So check him out at danrizzuto.com for more of his projects. If you're in the stunt industry and want to keep honing your craft, check out his training at M1 Action Design. And both of those links will be in the show notes. If you just want to keep up with Dan himself, he's pretty active on Instagram, at Dan Rizzuto. Uh, I'll post that link as well. You'll see lots of his pics on various jobs, teaching, just generally being a badass dude. Keep an eye out for his film Torn and Wu Assassin's fans. Maybe, just maybe, there's a little something more coming, but stay tuned for that. Otherwise, I wish Dan the very best of luck with everything that he's working on. Come visit me on all my socials as well, Kung Fu Driving Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, Kung Fu Driving on Twitter, or email me just to say hey at Kung Fu Driving at gmail.com. Otherwise, I want to wish you and yours a happy new year, so let's make 2020 the best yet. And until next time, Poison Clan, peace. Poison Clan rocks the world.
Comes in a tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine and get drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws We walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine and get drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws I see the iron fisted bunk from the daily prayers Shouting monks on their hands, running down the thousand stairs The fate of Lee Khan, now's in King Yu's hands With the fearless idea, they're roaming over the land Yeah, the little bitch soldier is old, otherwise He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight Yo, got the venom mob laying down the law Bruce Lee delivered kicks, guaranteed to great jars Fight for the cars, then pause, hear the applause Not again, back kicks will defeat the outlaws Very good, but balls don't hit back Yeah, the death jewels here, David is coming back The Tai Chi master, jelly's even faster Could chat a little drink because he is the drunken master Once upon a time in China Rosamund Kwan is real fine, but see Maggie show your spine off Golden Swallow has arrived Shang Chi movies will the hero will survive We've got the brave archer make his way to the top Of the mountain gonna fight, may as well pick the spot Yeah the sky goes black cause the vampire's back We've got Lam Ching Ying to kill them all to so stand back You place the black magic on the soul of the sword And our sword will travel until his body's on floors Yeah, Wing Chun Shaolin and Mantis style Yeah defeat the enemy and watch him run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's warm, we smash the place up with a dragon claws We walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's warm, we smash the place up with a dragon claw. See, it's a game of death, yo, you're facing the big boss. It's once upon a time in China, counting the TikTok. The Shogun Assassin slashing blood of just drip drop. The head kick, neck drop, balance that won't stop. Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins. He's got Irma just in yellow, but she is in the dragon, but in the tea rooms. That's where it'll happen. She got the bodies on the floor. When the blood, it'll splatter against the wall. No fear at all, to kill them all. There's always blood spilled when you head into a war. Fearless. Unleashed The fist of legend that the car gently I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumble in the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these It's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we get it drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's warm, we smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine